This is episode number 35 of the Rising Man podcast with Tyson Brown. I want to bump you up. Welcome back, Rising Man community. I am Jetty Azuma, the host and creator of this show. And I'm so happy to be able to deliver this podcast to you guys every week. I don't think you guys recognize. I was listening back. I realize I say that every single episode because the first energy I tap into in my body when I do these intros is gratitude. The first feeling and the sensation I get is how grateful I am to be doing what I do. What many of you guys don't know is that creating this podcast has been a dream come true. I get so much energy, literally so much energy out of the interviews, dialogue, and just the reflections on the experience of what it means to be a man in the world today. And all of this happened. All of this was possible because I followed my gut and I went all in on my vision. Just like all of the success stories you hear about people who build their businesses, build their empires, you know, really pursue their purpose. You always hear about the blood, sweat and tears and all the hours that go in behind the scenes. And it's true. It's really true. This is probably the first time in my life I've put as much energy and effort into one thing without any shred or shadow of a doubt that is yielding the results and it's it's all about the long game so being able to follow my gut and go all in on my vision double down on my energy and, and do whatever it takes to make this work has yielded these the results that you see before you and if you guys listen to the most recent monday morning meditation episode where i was talking about resistance i was speaking directly to the journey that we all overcome when it comes to our ego and everything that keeps us playing at the level that we're at right now everything that keeps us from stepping up and rising into our greatness. And there's nothing more I want in this lifetime than for men all across the world to be activated and engaged with their highest purpose. To know what that is and to be pursuing it relentlessly. There's nothing more I want in the world because I know that that outcome alone will improve everything else. All these other problems that we see on a day-to-day -day basis, all these other things that we are troubled by in our lives. So I'm issuing a challenge to all of us to step it up. Let's step it up. Let's raise that bar right now in everything we do and every action we take. Let's raise the standard of what it means to be a man for ourselves as individuals and for our brothers, for our whole community, for our brotherhood across the world. Let's build a culture around being the best men that we can be. That's what the rising man is about at its core. So anyone who's ready to raise their game will also be interested in the two opportunities that we have coming for you this fall. The first is Elements. It's a three-day wilderness immersion training designed to push you past your physical, mental, and emotional edges so that you can connect deeply to your truth, to your highest purpose, and build connections with other men who are doing the same. A lifelong brotherhood. I'm telling you guys, this is going to be an amazing event. It's going to be happening October 26th through 28th here in the greater LA area. So everybody, every man out there is, is invited to apply to this. I really encourage you guys to step up, to lean in and face that challenging, uncomfortable edge that may be keeping you from doing something like this. The follow-up to Elements is Compass. It's a four-month rites of passage experience created to initiate our men into their greatness so to clear you of the habits stories and behaviors that don't serve you so that you can live into your purpose you can live into what you came into this life for 
The combination of these two opportunities is the alchemy of everything that I've experienced in my journey from boyhood into manhood, basically the past 10 years of my life. It's an experience like nothing else that's out there. And it's how we start to rewrite our culture, how we can redefine and recreate what it means to be a man today for ourselves and for others. So apply today. Links are going to be up in the show notes and more info is going to be dropping in the weeks to come. Be on the lookout for that. And make sure you tell all your friends, tell all your buddies, tell all your brothers. Let's get out there. Let's do this together. All right. Let me introduce my guest for today's episode. Tyson Brown is a personal trainer and intermittent fasting expert. He coaches people all over the world with his in-person and online coaching programs to help them transform their bodies. He's the author of the newly minted book, Ditch the Diet, which you guys can all check out at TysonBrown.com dot au slash ditch the diet he is a self-proclaimed everyday guy who loves fitness and truly speaking he genuinely loves and is fascinated by the body and how we can get the most out of our bodies and be in better relationship with ourselves on a physical level which we know is important for full alignment on every level So in this episode, we talked about some of the unhealthy messages and culture of the fitness industry, the impact that this has had on male body image and what we have learned to value about ourselves. So the rippling muscles and the big biceps and the Arnold Schwarzeneggers of the world that have created the story that we have to be big, we have to have rippling biceps and less than 2% body fat in order to be attractive. A lot of this has been really detrimental for a lot of men. So we dug into that. We talked about some simple health and fitness practices and guidelines that will help even the least fit man get into the best shape of his life. So I know a lot of people out there have a story that I'm just not fit. I'm just not an athlete. That's just not my thing. Every single one of us is designed to and capable of being in outstanding physical fitness and health. So any story you have that that's just not you no i'm just too fat i'm just i'm just out of shape i got bad genes all that's bullshit don't listen to it Uh, we also talked about intermittent fasting which is a dietary practice that is becoming more popular more spoken about more widely practiced in the world today and it connects to a more natural way of consuming our ancestors weren't eating three square meals every single day on at specific times. It was more of eating when food is available and then allowing your body to fully process that food over a period of time. And if we're constantly fueling ourselves and over fueling and overindulging ourselves, then that's why we have the highest obesity rates that modern humanity has ever seen. So something to think about. And lastly, we talked about just getting to know your body and going with what works for you really important and critical to identify the habits, the behaviors, the health practices that work for you because they're different for every single one of us. We are unique beings in certain senses. So figuring out what works for you and getting connected with your body on a deeper level. I'll leave the rest up to Tyson to tell you guys without further ado, Tyson Brown. All right. The heavyweight champ, Tyson Brown, weighing in in Sydney, Australia, joining us from the future today, brother. How you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> Not so heavyweight, but I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? I'm good, man. Every time I hear Tyson, I can't help but think of Mike Tyson. So that's what it gets me thinking. <laughs> If you guys are listening to this, I'm not African-American. I am very, very white and I'm very small. Too, so I'm, it's like, you can try and picture me like a big Mike Tyson, but uh, unfortunately, it's not true. Uh, well, what you lack for in heavyweight stature, you make up for in heavyweight heart. So <laughs> we'll <laughs> yeah, go, we'll exactly. go with that for today. <laughs> which is where it counts in my opinion anyway. So yes, man, I've been looking forward to this conversation. You know, before we started recording, we were talking about fitness culture and, and why it's so important for men to have 
a really strong connection to their health and how they take care of their body, especially guys that are listening. Most of the guys who listen to this podcast, the millennial generation, 25 to 40 years old. So looking forward to tapping into your wisdom on that subject. But let me start off the way each one of these interviews starts off with a couple of questions I ask everybody. What is the difference between a boy and a man? I think it's it's comes to responsibility, right? Like being able to say, you know, whatever happens in your life, that you can take personal accountability for because there are so many areas like when you're, when you're a boy, when you're growing up, when you're learning, you don't know what you're responsible for, what you're not responsible for because you're still learning everything that's coming into you. You've got all these senses coming in all the time, what you're learning from people, what you like, what your parents are teaching you, all those type of things. So when you're in that boy stage, I feel like that is where a lot of responsibility is placed on other people to help you become educated. But when you transition over to a man, it's when you start taking responsibility for everything and you've got to put the actions into place, you know, to develop yourself as a person, to take care of your health, to do all those things that are going to, to develop you into a better man. So I would say when you start to learn that you need to take personal responsibility and that's not an age thing that happens for different people, like in different times of their life, because you'll meet younger people who are much more mature and then you'll meet older people who are immature. But when you can tell between a boy and a man, you'll be able to see that in their eyes and how they act in their everyday life. Yes. And so appropriate for this conversation we're about to have, because one of the areas that we get to take responsibility for is our health, our fitness, our overall well-being. And I know for a lot of men who are in pursuit of their vision, making money, being autonomous and you know entrepreneurial, because that's a big thing these days, the health and the fitness side is one of the first things to go for many folks. So it's a really important part of this conversation, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. So before we dive into that, because that's a really good segue into where I want to go, let me ask you this one. What is the difference between masculine and feminine? Mm, that is a very good question. It's very hard to explain what the difference is, but you can see it, right? Like there are certain times when we all play the masculine side and the feminine side in our life. You know, you are obviously, there are just going to be certain things that come up in your life when you have to play that masculine role and you have to play that feminine role. But it's very hard for me to be able to describe what that actually is. But when you see it, you can tell. Or like, you know, you will find yourself projecting more feminine energy in some point or projecting more masculine energy in some point. And there are times and places for it, but I can't act like for me, I wouldn't actually be able to say, you know, that is masculine energy or that is feminine, feminine energy. Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's great, man. Uh, and maybe you could actually shed a little more light for those of us who are listening, who are not from Australian background or are familiar with Australian culture here in the Western world, there is this element of machismo of the old school belief of what it is to be a man, to have muscles, to be the lone wolf, to do it all on our own and, and to not cry, to not be a bitch, all those things that play into an old archetype of masculinity and manhood. So what is similar in Australian culture and what is different as, as we're starting to round out this this general conversation of what is it really to be a man for us nowadays? There are a lot of, like, I feel like Australia kind of copies a lot of what America does in a way, like, you know, the traits and things like that. So having that, like you said, having that stoicness of manliness is, is certainly a big trait. There are other things where, you know, like, you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to get upset. Like that, they're all manly virtues, and you can see how the difference between older generations, like the people who have kept it in for so long, and you can just see that they're not, they're not comfortable showing their emotions. They don't know how, and like it's it's very detrimental to their mental health, right? Because if you're internalizing that all the time, you're keeping it in because you think I need to be a man. I can't show my true emotions, then that can lead to really big problems because when you internalize something and you can't get it out in your head, like that's going to be constantly there all the time. And you're going to be repressing those things. Your body wants to naturally come arise. Right. So I feel like 
we are in the same area when it comes, like, you know, in the westernized world, I would say. So, you know, America, Australia, UK, all those things. I really think we have some really common issues with that side of things, you know, like where it comes to trying to repress everything. If you're a man, you know, you have to show that. I don't cry. I I do those manly things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's great to hear that contribution because I think that just confirms something I already thought is that American culture influences so much of the world. And for those of us who live here in the Americas, a lot of us don't get to see it. But I know that there's, you know, at, at least the way that the fitness and the exercise culture has spread across the planet, all of a sudden you're seeing guys in India, guys in Bangladesh with these massive rippling muscles. And, and they're, you know, it's like they're they're wanting to emulate Arnold Schwarzenegger and the bodybuilding gods of the past. And so clearly this culture is, is spreading. And let's, let's use that as a segue into what parts of this fitness culture, this fitness dialogue that we've been fed isn't serving men, isn't serving our highest health and well-being? I think to start off with, like, and that side of things when it's not serving us is having these projected images of what we think we need to look like. You know, like when I was growing up, I would read the men's fitness magazines. I would follow bodybuilding.com forums. I'd watch the Olympia. And like, look at these guys. I was like, wow, I want to be like that. But over time, I've just started to realize, I'm like, that's not, who I want to be like and like one I don't have the genetics so I can't but like two it's just like that's not like when you can take a step back and not and feel like okay this is trying to influence on what I need to be like but do I actually want to achieve this being able to figure out what's in your head and what you actually you know what you ideally portray as health fitness to yourself by not having it skewed by other sources coming into you, you know, through the Instagram, through all those other things. And you need to kind of just take a step back and be like, Hey, what do I actually truly want for myself? Because that's very, very detrimental, especially in this age of images where you can see everyone's perfect self. Apparently on Instagram, every single person's attractive, has six pack abs all year round, looks amazing 24 seven. And that really has a negative impact on your, on your mindset and can you know, affect everything. You know, it's like it gives you a distorted image of the world and it's very hard, like coming from, because I'm a personal trainer, like I'm not super ripped. I'm not super fit. I just like to take care of my health and fitness and I like to teach it. And so having to compete with these people and having to look on Instagram, like it's a mental, it's a mental muck around for myself too. You know, like I'm like, oh man, I'm not like, am I false? Am I phony? Like it's that constant uh, imposter syndrome that I think about, but in reality, it's just that skewed, re- like it's that skewedness that you're seeing from someone's perfect day at that perfect moment at some point in time, but it's not there 365, 24, seven. Yes, man. That's huge. And, and I'm glad that you dove right in and shared your experience of it. I, I remember for me growing up, I was a very athletic kid, but I was always the smallest kid on the team. So I had to really leverage my best assets to, to my advantage so that I, ma- I made up for the size I didn't have. So I was always really fast, but I, I didn't have a lot of muscles. And when I got to the age where I was starting to grow a little bit and starting to build muscles, I was doing exactly what you did. I was following all the bodybuilding.com forums. I was reading the men's fitness magazines and immediately got swept into that culture. And I was always amazed at how a 14 year old kid like myself would go into the, into the fitness center and would immediately be approached by these big jack guys trying to sell us steroids. You know, it wasn't every day. It wasn't like every single day I'm being approached that way, but it just kind of blew me away. And I was always terrified of indulging in something like that because I had a, a sense that that wasn't going to be good for me. But I know that a lot of my peers were jumping right on board with it. You know, they were a lot of people I grew up with were taking steroids because they wanted this appearance that, like you said, most of us are not destined to have genetically. Our genetic code just doesn't call for it. 
Let me say one more thing, and then I want to hear a little bit about your story. There's a book that I read at that time called The Adonis Complex, and it was written by three physicians. I don't know if you've heard of it. If you if you haven't, definitely something you should check out. Yeah, I think two of them were. I think at least two of them were mental health specialists, and they were really the first ones who I saw started to analyze this problem that was developing, where men would look at themselves in the mirror and they they never felt like they were attractive enough or big enough, and they called it bigorexia. It was like the contrast to anorexia. For you guys who are listening, if you guys are in the fitness and health culture, um, check out the Adonis Complex because it really picks this stuff apart and gives some behind-the-scenes look at what's going on for these guys underneath all of the muscles. So for you, Tyson, you know, because you're right, you're not you're not the stereotypical Instagram personal trainer fitness athlete out there. So what what was your story when you were growing up and you were seeing these, you know, bulging muscles on magazines, what was your dialogue and how did, how did you navigate your way into becoming a trainer? Um, so like the biggest thing for me to actually start getting healthy and fit was honestly, it was just to pick up girls. Right. I was like, yeah, you know, I want to lose a little, like, cause I saw the football guys and I saw all the, you know, the leaner athletes, they were the ones who were getting the girls and I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to be able to pick up too. Right. So I went, you know, I started off on trying to just go to the gym and exercise and like I said, follow the bodybuilding routines because that's where I wanted to look like. And I'm like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is going to be me. And I just kept trying different things and they never seemed to work for me. Okay. And I'm like, there's got to be like, I'm missing something. Am I missing the protein powder? No, it wasn't the protein powder. Am I missing the arm specialization routine? Like I just thought it was all these things and through constant digging and like strict dieting, following the bodybuilding diet of like weighing all my food, becoming obsessed with that, after time, like it just became so uh, draining on me. And then I've developed actually an eating obsession, like eating clean all the time type of thing. I'd weigh all my meals. I'd do all that stuff. And I probably did that for about two years until my family like started saying like, hey, there is actually something wrong with you. Something's going on here. You're not training to be a bodybuilder. You're not going to go for a show. You can't come out with us for lunch and dinner because you're freaking out that you can't weigh your chicken breasts and things like that. And so I was living like the bodybuilding lifestyle. I didn't look like a bodybuilder. I didn't train like a bodybuilder properly. And it was just like a really bad mentality to have. So when I started and then I knew there had to be a better way. So that's when I was kind of, again, spending time in the bodybuilding forums and I was going through the nutrition side of things. And that's when I started to learn more about like, you know, calories, macronutrients, understanding what foods were made up of. And when I realized that like, you don't have to eat strict 24 seven, you can still have the foods you enjoy when you can still find that balance between health and fitness and still being able to have a fun, normal lifestyle with your friends and family. That's when I realized I'm like, you know what? I actually really enjoy learning about this. Like I would spend hours studying it I would spend hours in the gym just helping people, like training friends and teaching them things. And then that's when I realized, like, I'm like, you know what? I actually kind of want to do this full time. I really enjoy it because if I wasn't at work, I would be doing this. If I wasn't at school, I would be studying. And so that's where I really got into the personal training side of things. And one of the reasons I wanted to stay with it is because there's still so much BS out there. And I just want to be like, hey, guess what? You don't have to, like, there's this big stigma. Like, if I take care of my health and fitness, I have to give up my social life on the weekends. That means no more drinking. That means no more eating out. If I eat out, I feel guilty. I feel like I've ruined my diet. And I want to teach people that that's not the way to live along. Like, health and fitness is not over here, segmented on one side, and then lifestyle over here. It's comp- it's like together. Everything can come together. So you can still be healthy and fit while take, like, you know, while enjoying your social life. And that's one of the big reasons I am training today. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing a little more about your story. I think that one of the simplest human needs that we can trace everything back to is our need to feel like we belong, our our need for belonging, our need for acceptance. Oftentimes that translates into validation and approval from other people. So 
a great way to get approval from people is getting likes on Instagram because you got crazy six pack abs and some bulging <laughs> muscles. Cause that's impressive to everybody. You know, anybody who's got that, let's, let's just, let's just pause the conversation. That's, that's impressive in its own right. Okay. You know, the, the hard work and the effort and the work ethic that it takes. I did bodybuilding competitions for two years when I was in college. So I know what your journey was like of, you know, eating really clean, not going out with your friends, not partying and any of that stuff. So there's, there's one side of that. And I think that in a healthy, integrated person, they can leverage those skills that they learn from bodybuilding, from training in a very strict and rigid way into something more productive. So have you ever worked with someone like that? Or do you have any thoughts on that conversation about how to pivot in some sense to make it less obsessive and more productive? Well, I haven't worked with someone per se in that area because like, I, I'm not an expert when it comes to bodybuilding or when it comes to crafting that physique. So I leave that to the experts, right? But for myself, being able to learn how to transition from that obsession habit into making it more manageable and how you can still, like how you actually can transition from that, I do have experience myself. So I teach people how to do that because one thing I teach my clients is like, hey, you do need to weigh and measure your food to get an idea about what portion sizes are because... We, we, when we become aware, it becomes easier, but you do not need to become obsessed with it for the rest of your life. You can still go out and enjoy those foods and it is finding that balance. But at first you have to become aware. You have to know, you know, what does, what does a hundred grams or like, you know, uh, four ounces of chicken breast actually look like? Because what I can think that it looks like and what it actually looks like is completely different. And that's why you don't need to have this obsessive compulsion with weighing everything, but you should get an idea about what those sizes, what those sizes actually look like in real life. Yeah, I think informing and educating ourselves, you know, really knowing your craft and that's whether you're a mountain biker or you're a weightlifter or whatever you're doing, it's like really taking the time and effort to, to master the intricacies of your craft. Cause I know a lot of folks go into the gym and they'll just, they'll take any information that they think is going to get them what they see on Instagram, what they see on YouTube and then make it their own in some way without any kind of grounding or evidence or, or support. A lot of people are do, frankly doing it by themselves, you know? Yeah. And they Frankenstein it. They hear like, you know, a little bit from this guy, a little bit from this guy and they, Oh, well, if I do this and I do this and I put it together yeah. and they wonder why it's not working. It's because they're not building them. They're not building that foundation, that structure that needs to be there in place before they can have the capacity to go and do those things for themselves. And it's simply because like you said, they don't educate themselves and they don't really have the time to do that. Like, and that's why there are free programs out there that you can look up like that, have, you know, that have stood the test of time. There's big foundational programs like, you know, three day, full body a week routines and things like that that are the best out there for most people. I mean, you don't have to spend hours in the gym killing your biceps on Monday, you know, and things like that. And so it is just taking, like we talk about being a man before, taking responsibility for yourself and putting a little bit of knowledge into your health and fitness so you know what to do. Mm, yeah, that was a great connection back to what you said in the beginning, you know, really taking full ownership of everything in our lives, including our health and fitness, including how we're treating our body because- in some respects, if we don't take care of our body, we're not going to have a body to, to do anything else that we want to do with it. So it's, and I think it's really square one, you know, taking care of yourself. So true. Yeah, man. So <laughs> I'm thinking back, I'm having all these flashbacks in my bodybuilding days. I remember <laughs> some of the, some of the myths out there, right? Cause I also, I was trained as a physical therapist. So a lot of this stuff got debunked for me in college, but what about the myth that, or do you think this is a, a myth that everybody who wants to build muscle needs to have one gram of protein per pound of body weight every single day? It's definitely a myth, but the reason I advocate for people to have more protein is because one, it's satiating, right? So it helps you keep fuller for longer. But you know, you see people, there are vegans, there are vegetarians, there are people who are going against this and you've got to find out what works best for your body. So 
this is why I don't like these blanket statements of like, you know, everyone should do this diet or everyone should eat this way or everyone should train this way because at the end of the day, we all are certainly different. And I can tell you, hey, guess what? Milk is going to get you so jacked and so big. And you're like, uh, I'm lactose intolerant. I'm like, well, too bad. You got to drink your milk because that's what's going to happen. And we can't have these blanket statements saying that there's one thing that's going to fit every single person. Right. Actually, that, that's an even better way, direction to go right now is the importance of, of specialization and recognizing what is unique for. So how does someone start that journey? How does someone really start to dial in? So let's say, let's pretend I'm somebody who has just followed the formulas, all different kinds of formulas for building muscle and getting in shape online. But now I really want to listen for what's best for my body. How can I start that journey? What types of things should I be paying attention to? Well, first of all, you should be tracking, right? Like taking like, you know, uh, I would suggest recording what you're doing in the gym, taking your body measurements, taking your weight, depending on what you want to do, whether you want to, let's say, build muscle or burn fat, you've got to track, you know, what are you doing in the gym? What type of weight you're using? What are you eating? The more you record, the more you can become aware and you can see, is this working for your body? Is this not working for your body? You know, if a certain food makes you feel bloated or a certain food just doesn't sit right in your stomach, then it it may be optimal for some people, but it isn't optimal for you. So it's always good to just start, you know, writing down, recording, tracking, all those little things that you think are going to make a difference for you. And then you can see over time. So if you did a workout program for, let's say, four to six weeks, and then you decided to change another workout program for another four to six weeks, and then you can see, okay, it looks like on the second one, I I felt more energetic. I wasn't as tired during the day. I started losing a little bit more body fat around my hips. Like you can start to assess those things but you need to be tracking. You can't just go, oh, like you can't just go in there blind eyes and think that you're going to see results. And you need to be aware and in tune with your body. So the first thing I would do is to start tracking. You track your food with MyFitnessPal. You track your workouts in your notes app. You write down everything. You take your progress photos month by month and your measurements. And that's a simple way to get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know a lot of guys out there, uh, maybe like myself, might hear that and say, oh man, I don't want to do all that work. And that goes, exact, that goes exactly back to the initial point, is that if we're not willing to take responsibility for ourselves on this level, then we shouldn't be expecting the type of results that other people are getting by doing this type of thing, right? Absolutely. And like, like a, I hear a lot of people say that. They're like, oh, you know, I'm not seeing results or I'm not doing this. I'm like, okay, have you, you, know, have you tried tracking your food? Or have you tried? And they're like, I don't want to do that. And it's like, you've got, you've got to make the decision. You have the power in your hands. Like, do you want to go and do this or are you going to keep complaining about getting results? Because you can keep complaining, but you need to take responsibility that you're not going to put in the effort because anything worth achieving is going to take effort at the end of the day. You know, you're like, you're not just going to wake up one day with a six pack and be like, well, that was easy. That was great. It's not going to happen like that. It doesn't happen in work. It doesn't happen with your body. It doesn't happen in every, every of those life. And like, yes, there are those people who are naturally ribbed, who are naturally athletic and that's fine. But like people who are listening to this, I'm doubting they're in that camp and that's why they're trying to search for the answer and I'm in the exact same camp. I've got to put in that effort because if I just get slack and if I stop tracking and if I stop doing those things, guess what? I'm most likely going to get overweight again and it's just like you have to be a little bit conscious and it's not going to be 24-7. It's just like that initial, you know, we talk about that initial starting point. Just start putting in a little bit of effort. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me laugh, man, because there's there's no coaching program. There's no online 12-step thing. There's no formula that's going to have anybody waking up with a beautiful woman by their side, six-pack abs, and a million dollars in their bank account. <laughs> there's, just, there's just no substitute for hard work and, and, and effort over time. Absolutely. And that's like you see, 
you can't have, I guess you say you can't have it all, right? Like you don't see a lot of really rich guys who are really ripped and lean. And it's because you've got to pick your focus point for a while and see where you want to go from there. And until you can master one area, then you can work on another area, but you can't try and juggle so many things at a time and think, like you said, you're going to wake up with a beautiful woman with a million dollars and with a six pack all in one morning after 12 steps. Yeah, it doesn't happen like that. And that's, that's being realistic too. And so I think, that, and, and let's, so let's go in this direction. This is something I, I personally struggle with and I'm sure I'm not the only one out there is that I like to get, I, when I get focused on what I want, the result that I want, I want to make it happen now. I want to make it happen yep. as fast as possible. I want to do whatever it takes. I'll work tirelessly to make it happen, to get out there. And, and if I got to do my reps in the gym, whatever I got to do. Yep. Um, so for someone who's coming from from that side of the camp, somebody who's like, I want to get all the results and I want to have it now. How, how do we uh, Im- implement this concept of balance, this concept of patience and consistency over time? See, that's where it's very hard because we all experience that in some areas of our life, right? Like for me, it's in business. I'm like, oh, I want to have 100 online clients now. I want to have this much money. And it's just like, so that's where I make the mistake of being impatient, but people make the mistake of being impatient with their health and fitness. So what I would suggest is if you want to, because we're impatient, we want to see some type of results. I think the best thing to do is to set yourself small little goals that you can see yourself achieving over time. So you want to constantly be getting a dopamine hit in your head. The more you have a dopamine hit, the better you're going to feel. So if you're like, okay, look, I want to lose 10 kilos in the next three months. So I know it's going to take you some time. So then we want to work backwards from there. So like in the next two weeks, what do you want to achieve? I would like to see the scale move by 500 grams. Okay, that's cool. So you want to see this or a pound. So you want to see the scale move by a pound. Then we've got to implement those things day by day. So if you're like, you know what, this week I want to train three days a week. After you hit that three-day training, you're going to get that little dopamine hit in your head and it's going to get you excited. And it's going to help you persist and be consistent, but at the same time, still be patient. Because a lot of people go, if I don't see the result the next week, I'm going to be impatient. And it's because they have that long-term reward there but they don't have those short-term things that are going to help get that dopamine hit that are going to help keep them along the way. And that's why I always say set a goal that's going to push you a little bit, but it's still got to be realistic. Because if you set an unrealistic goal, like you're like, I'm going to lose 10 kilos in the next two weeks. When you don't achieve it, you're going to feel like crap. You're going to be unmotivated. And that's just going to put you straight back down the other end. So set those long-term goals that are going to stretch you, but also have those little goals along the way that you can achieve that are going to move you forwards. Mm. That's great, man. And I know there's there's a few unicorns out there who are long range focused. You know, there's a few people who are yeah. just designed yeah. that way that they can they can recognize what they want to get and they, they know what they need they focus on what they need to do today and tomorrow and the next day in, in order to build up to it. But I think for most of us, we we have to learn that lesson. And you know, we, we have to learn that things don't come quickly, don't come easily. So just want to infuse a little more of your personal story. How did you come to that realization yourself? Was there a moment? Was there an experience you had that led you to that discovery? Uh, it, was, it was actually from a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, he's a social media yep. guy. So so I started getting that perspective from... So I always had that in my head when it comes to health and fitness. Just because I heard other people talk about it and I realized results aren't going to happen, happen overnight. So the health and fitness side of things came pretty naturally to me because I noticed my body was changing over time and I wasn't in a rush when I was a kid. Like I I was kind of just like, I'm going to put in the effort, I'm just going to go for it. But when it came to the business side of things, I expected different results. I expected results to be faster because that's what I saw on the internet. And, you know, I saw these people with planes and all those cars and things like that. And so having him reminded me that he's like, hey, it's going to take work. It's going to take patience. And it's just because it's, 
it's because we live in an instant gratification world right now. Like I can literally Uber Eats my like get something here in the next five minutes. You can Amazon same day delivery. You can do all those things, and because all those things are in instant gratification, but the things that are going to pay off in the long run are going to take longer. It's just it's it's a it's a constant reminder you have to have, and so that's why. I actually constantly watch Gary because he constantly says that patience, 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 patience. It's like, oh yes, okay, I get it, I get it. Yeah, and we have to we have to hear that message over and over again sometimes. And until you have that first concrete experience of investing time, effort, sweat, tears over a long period of time before that result actually emerges, I don't think I don't think it really lands in quite the same way. Because I could you could listen to Gary V videos all day long, but until you see the fruits of your labor after working for a long period of time. I know for me, it actually happened in the bodybuilding world. You know, I, I trained for three competitions in eight over the course of 18 months. And each competition was like a three or four month journey to get from your starting weight down to your competition weight and your percent body fat. So that was like my first concrete experience. And I know that um, that'd be an interesting thing to hear the guys who are listening to this podcast, hear them in, engage on, you know, have you had that experience? And if not, what can you do? To, to create that, you know, what's a, what's a long-term goal you can set for yourself that you're only going to get there by taking one step at a time each day. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you, like you said, like, you know, you can listen, you can hear all that stuff, but until you actually experience it for yourself, that's when there's going to be like that. Oh yeah, it actually is going to take a long, like period of time. And this is the fruits of my labor. You know, you, you can't plant a seed today and expect it to grow tomorrow. You know, I think you know, you look back at farmers, they didn't expect, they would plan years ahead of time because if they were like, Oh, I can't eat this corn right now because I'm going to need that corn for you, like in the future. So there's that type of thing. Like we have that. It's just what nature is at the end of the day. We have to put in our fruit. Like we have to put in our labor now and so in the you know so later on in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially for the guys who most of the guys who are listening to this podcast, I know I'll be the first one to admit that I've taken my health for granted. I've taken my health, my strength, my vitality for granted all the way up until my late 20s, early 30s when I started to have my first set of, you know, significant health challenges. Pretty much for the past year, I've had a back injury that's kept me out of a lot of the physical activity that I love to do and at the same time really impacting how I show up in every other area of my life. So, I think let, let's let's shift the conversation to what we were talking about right before we started recording, the importance of long-lasting health to support a massive vision. So when we start, one of the things we talk about here on the Rising Man podcast is having that vision, that purpose in your life that's way bigger than yourself, that is having an impact and a benefit on so many more people, so many more um, beings and and communities beyond just yourself. Um, And the importance we never talked about of like having the vehicle that will carry you through because that's that's big time work. That's talk about a long range vision and project and plan is to make something like that come to fruition. So, so what do you have to say on that subject about building a body that can carry you towards your, towards your vision? If you, if you don't take care of yourself, first of all, no one else is going to take care of you for you because no one loves you as much as yourself, right? But if you don't have the health, the energy, the vitality, just everything, like if you don't have that, how are you going to be able to serve other people? You know, it's all about fitting your own oxygen mask first. It's about making sure you do take care of self-care because otherwise there are going to be days where you can't get out of bed or one day you're going to wake up and you might be diagnosed with something and it's because you didn't take care of your health in the past. And, and if you find out that, that's going to change your whole trajectory in your life. And if you aren't able to, let's say, work anymore or you aren't able to make that impact in the world, 
that's because you neglected your own health. So when you have, when you take care of your own health first, you are able to make that bigger impact on other people's lives. Because if you don't have the energy, you're not going to be able to impact as many people. If you don't feel good every day, you're not going to be able to impact that many people and put out what you need to do into the world because you're simply neglecting yourself. And I feel like having the neglecting yourself is not going to pay off in any sense, you know, like you are going to be around the longer you can live too. Sorry, just got off tangent. The longer you can live, the more impact you're going to have, right? Like what if you could have another year, another 10 years, another 20 years, just because you take care of your health. And instead of retiring at 80, you can now retire at 90 or a hundred. You've got an extra 10 to 20 years to keep putting out and helping and build a bigger purpose. That's a great point too. And that goes right into playing the long game when it comes to your career and your vision and your work in this life as well. You know, a lot of, I know a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, we want to get to that place where we can be off the grid, digital nomads, you know, making six figures and able to travel the world and, and live the life that we want to. And a lot of people, especially a lot of, a lot of my peers, a lot of my comrades who are in that same fight with that same vision are destroying their bodies for the sake of the bank account, for the sake of the followers, for the sake of building the empire. So do you work with any folks in that industry, like the, you know, the, the personal development, self-improvement world that are not walking the talk when it comes to their body? Absolutely. And it's funny because I, I will call them out on it, right? I'll be like, hey, you talk about you've got to develop your mind, you've got to develop, you know, your business, things like that. But if you aren't taking care of your own vehicle, your own health, like what are you expecting? I mean, sure, let's sacrifice our health for the next three or four years. Let's let's neglect sleep, let's neglect exercise, let's neglect eating right. And then you achieve that business, right? But then you feel terrible when you wake up in the morning. Then you can't go on that holiday because you feel like you're getting sick. Then you can't do those things that you want to do simply because you made that sacrifice that you thought was going to be worth it in the past when you'll always learn that neglecting your health is never worth it. Mm. Yeah, man. And it's so, it's so easy to get caught up in that in that trap, in that hamster wheel rat race of trying to get the piece of cheese when really it's it's right in front of us all along. You know, this this body, this, this ability to... That one right there, yeah. He's, for yeah. you guys who can't see it, he's holding up the phone, yeah. <laughs> you see an Instagram, you see everyone achieving results today. It's the same thing, you know. It's like, I want to get to where they're going, so I'm going to have to make those short-term sacrifices. But it's like a false, a lot of like what we're chasing is a lot of false solution most of the time, you know. You're like, when you, you're not going to get to this place and then be happy. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, okay, now I am happy. It does not happen like that. Chasing happiness is an endless pursuit that's going to leave you more miserable than happy in the end of the day. Yeah. And take it from me because uh, as a physical therapist, I've had the honor and the privilege of working with a lot of elderly folks. And, you know, I, because of this other part of my life of personal development and, you know, and empowerment for men, I always ask the question of like, well, what, what is the regret that you have? Or, or what would you do differently if you could, could go back? And unfailingly, every single one of them says that they would have taken better care of themselves while they were, you know, raising a family while they were building a business. They, every one of them said, I wish I would have taken better care of my body because now that I'm in my eighties, it's hard. It's hard. And and it's not, you, you can't have as much impact. Like you said before, you can't impact as many lives when you don't feel healthy, well, and thriving in your own body, period. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because like when I tell people, I want to live to 110, I want to live to 115. People look at me like I'm crazy because when you have that picture in your head of like oh if you think of like an 80 year old you think they're old they're immobile they're sometimes in a, like in a retirement village and it's like i do not picture myself being that at that age you know like 
And no one should. We shouldn't have to be like that. If you take care of yourself now, you won't have to be like that. Yeah. And and that goes into a whole bigger conversation about how we function as a society. I mean, how many billions and trillions of dollars are going into keeping people alive and taking care of people who haven't taken care of themselves their whole life. You know, it's, yep. it, it is, it's a big problem. And if, if there's one thing you want to do, if you, if there's one thing you can do well to make the planet a better place, take care of yourself so that the rest of us don't have to pay for you when you're, you know, when you're immobilized and when you have these diseases that you could have avoided by taking care of yourself. Exactly. And having a, like put in a few more years of work to like while taking care of your body like yeah it might make it a little bit longer to achieve your goal but when you achieve it you're gonna have the energy to be able to sustain it and then you're gonna be able to have the energy to grow it more yeah it takes a lot of energy and a massive presence to be able to run a business to be able to run a team to be able to run an empire you know there's it's not for the faint of heart it's not for the feeble of body or the feeble of mind it takes a lot of it takes a lot of energy and effort and I'm only speaking from my small amount of experience. I'm sure somebody like, I mean, just look at Tony Robbins, right? You know, everybody knows Tony Robbins. He's destroyed his voice and he has to invest so much time and energy to keeping his body up for what he does. Now, you know, depending on your perspectives, some would say he does a, fee, a reasonably good job of that, but there's a lot of people who don't. Absolutely. And now you look at like a lot of the biggest influencers who are out there when any side, they're starting to talk about health, right? They're starting to talk about the importance of it. Tony Gary, uh, Green Carter, and like everyone in any area, they're talking about why it's important. They all start taking care of the health because they know when they feel better, they perform better, they do better in life. Yeah, yeah, it's a simple formula and, and a lot of us overlook it. So if anybody who's listening is looking for the secret sauce, take care of your body, take care of your mind, take care of your health first because it's only going to amplify what you're able to do in the world for other people. That's, that's just period. Yeah, and it's not hours in the gym every day. It's not... Weighing your, like we talked about before, it's like you know, just little things move a little bit more, track your steps, get up every hour, just eat a little bit healthier than you are now. Like, don't you don't have to go from this balls to the wall mentality of like, okay, now I'm going to take care of my health, I'm going to, I'm going to weigh all my food, I'm going to exercise seven days a week, I'm going to do all this stuff because that's also unhealthy. You've got to make those small changes, like I said, make those small changes over time to make it sustainable. Like, you don't have to spend hours every single day, it's like maybe work out for an hour three to like one uh, three times a week maybe go for an afternoon walk or a walk after your meal eat a little bit better than you are now and it's just those simple changes that are going to make big results yeah man and of course there's certain things that you can implement along the way you know once you get on a i always tell people you know you go get used to just moving your body and being physical and active in your life get some sun on your face go for a walk every morning start there and you can build upon it as you go you know you can get into some of the fancier things but don't try to fly before you've learned how to crawl you know, you got to yeah, go through the steps of it. I like, yeah, exactly. Don't sprint before you can walk and simply go for a walk first. Just get the body moving. You know, a walk is a great way to just move your body and feel better overall. Yeah, but nobody's going to get six-pack abs just from walking, right? Nah, <laughs> that's, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, not everyone, you've got, like this goes back to what do you actually want? Do you want to get a six-pack? Like you don't have to. Like if you're like, you know what? I just want to just be healthy and fit enough so I feel good so I can work hard on the business. That is awesome. Like a six-pack doesn't define who you are in any way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. And, and redefining that culture is a, is a huge mission for our generation as well, that we don't have to accept the fact that we don't have to support the belief that everybody has to look like a chiseled you know, Greek god in order to belong in this world or to be healthy, even just to, to be healthy. 
you know for sure awesome man well one of the other things i love to do on this show we don't do enough of it in my opinion is to to provide tips tools and strategies that are going to help men on their journey i know a big one that you talk about that i'm into is intermittent fasting so um, can you explain briefly for anyone who has no idea what that is what is intermittent fasting and what are some of the benefits that it might have for anyone who's interested so intermittent fasting is simply a time where you are going to be eating and a time where you're not eating. And there are very, there's like, there's heaps of different options out there you can do. You know, you can do daily intermittent fasting, which means for a certain time of the day, you don't eat. And for a certain time of the day, you do eat. For example, at the moment, it's 9.43 uh, here in the morning in Australia. I'm just drinking black coffee until about 12 p.m. today. So I won't eat until 12 p.m. And then I'll stop eating at 4 or 5 p.m. And that'll be my eating window. Or you can do it for a longer period, a shorter period, really up to you. But basically the concept is there are a certain amount of time you are not eating and a certain amount of time that you are eating. Now, the reason for this is a couple of things. The first thing, for the guys probably listening to this, the most beneficial thing you're going to get out of intermittent fasting is that you're going to find yourself more focused when you're working because you don't get distracted by digesting food. You aren't trying to make a meal. You can just sit down and get what you need to get done without having all those distractions of stopping to eat, right? Apart from that, it's going to help with your weight loss because it's going to help you manage your calories better. If you simply have a shorter amount of time to eat food, then guess what? It's going to be harder to overeat in that time period. Now, not going to be impossible, but it is going to make it harder. So that's why fat loss, like most people will lose fat when they follow intermittent fasting simply because they have a shortened window to eat and they're not going to consume as many calories. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other benefits that come along. You know, people talk about autophagy, people talk about BDNF, like which we can get into. But at the end of the day, people just want to, you know, they want to move better, they want to feel better, they want to perform better at work. And so the two biggest benefits you're going to get is that mental clarity from intermittent fasting and just simply being able to have a more flexible schedule around when you eat so you can be more productive while still keeping your calories low too. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of guy who always looks to the natural world and to our ancestors from what we know about our ancestors for wisdom. So, you know, it's 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 not, it's no mistake that in this society, this modern society where people are supposed to have three solid meals every single day, um, that we're also one of the most overweight and least healthy versions of humanity that there's ever been. So what about the myth that we're supposed to have three solids, three square meals a day, or we're supposed to eat a certain number of calories every day? There have been studies that actually show it doesn't actually matter how many meals you have a day, whether it be two meals or whether it be six meals, because at the end of the day, what matters most, like, you know, does come down to calories. But then when you look at, like you said, you look back into it from like primal days, I don't think we had our ancestors waking up in the morning, walking over to some fridge that's going to be magically there and making a bowl of oats in the morning and then having, oh, it's 12 o'clock, I've got to have my lunch again. And then, oh, it's 6 o'clock, I've got to have dinner again. Like we weren't regimented. We didn't have access to food all the time. And so that's why I feel like is that, like you said, it's that reflection of like there are times where you feast, where you sit down and you have a big meal and there are times when you're not going to be eating because there wasn't any food around. So trying to copy what our ancestors did, I think is a pretty, uh, how would you say, like, you know, we're living back to our ancestral days in a way. Yeah. And it's amazing how much of a distraction food can be. Like you said, you know, that just doing the fasting for windows of your day, it, it yep. does create a lot of clarity. It, it literally takes energy and brain power for your body to digest and process food. So when you clear that off of the table, it's like clearing your to-do list. All of a sudden now you have all this extra energy, attention, and brain power to focus on what you want to focus on. And so I, I, f- I found it to be incredibly rewarding in other applications as well. It's not even just on a day to day, but doing longer periods of fasting, for example, uh, doing four days and four nights without eating any food in, in more of like a prayer or ceremonial 
context really serves to tap in and to tune into a deeper listening. And so there's different types of fasting, I think, and there's different applications for each. But if there's somebody out there who's not familiar with it, I guess this is where we're supposed to say, consult your doctor or your physician before you try and do any of this stuff. So the people don't come on the show saying, oh, I, I, you know, Tyson told me I should fast and, <laughs> yeah, like, and it, yeah. it destroyed my body. Yeah. <laughs> so no, disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, that's the thing. I always talk about this, like, you know, the start with the small type of intermittent fasting first, you know, don't say, Oh, well, I'm going to go four days. I'm going to go balls to the like, whoa, 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 whoa. You got to walk before you run because four days will take a toll on your body. And you will realize at first you aren't going to be as productive. You're going to have brain fog. You're going to be trailing off. You're going to be not very active either. So take your time working up to those side of things too. Yeah. And that's just the message that carries across everything else we were talking about too. It's actually a nice way to start rounding up this conversation is to give yourself time. Everything, everything takes time to develop and everything takes time to adjust and to adapt to. And so if there's one thing that we could take from not just this application of our health and our well-being, but to all of life is decide what we want, be clear about what we want, and then take one step every single day towards building that castle. And it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next week. So, yeah. So if we, you know, if you aim to be one step better than yesterday in a year from now, that's 365% better. That's a lot. Like three, that's like, you know, that's life changing in a way in a year's time. You know, if you're doing 1% better than yesterday. Yeah. I like that, man. I hadn't heard that one before. I'm going to hold on to that 1% better every day. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, I have a few lightning questions I like to ask right before we wrap up. So let me hit you with it. What is one thing you've learned up to this point in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18 years old? Patience. (laughs) Plain and simple. That's it. Patience, baby. Yeah. Um, and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Personal responsibility for sure. Like everything in your life can be taken personal responsibility for, you know, like sure. There are going to be things, you know, you might get hit by a car. Oh, sorry. You, you might get a car crash or something like that. But for so much of your life, you have the responsibility and you have to take that responsibility. If something goes wrong, whether it's your fault or not, how can you fix it? How can you take that responsibility and say, okay, this happened, what can I do to make it better than what it is now? Mm, Awesome, man. Yeah, and I also have heard that conversation of responsibility and taking ownership of our lives from at least 75% of the men who've come on this show. Is That's what they lead with. So it's good. We're coming to some sort of consensus exactly about what it means to to be a man and to be an adult in this world. So that's that's great, man. Thank you for nailing that home even more. all right, so then just to just to round it out, man, what are the channels, the portals that people can jump into so they can get in your atmosphere, follow you, work with you, etc.? Well, speaking about the intermittent fasting, I do have a book coming out about it. So it's all about how to manage, like, you know, how we talked about before, integrating health and fitness with your lifestyle while not having to become obsessive about food or anything like that. So it's a book called Ditch the Diet. And if they want to download the free chapter, they can go to tysonbrown.com.au forward slash ditch the diet. And they can download the free chapter. And that actually talks about kind of what we talked about further. Like, you know, what is your purpose? The chapter is about finding your why and when it comes to exercise, when it comes to all things in your life. Like, what is your deep underlying why that's going to drive you forward in life? 
So they can download that, yeah, from tysonbrown.com.au forward slash ditch and diet. Or just follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there, which is just Tyson the Trainer with two R's. Tyson the Trainer with two R's. All right, cool, man. Well, I'll make sure we put up the links in the show notes. Awesome to have you on the show, man. This is a great conversation. Definitely something different for our audience here. And I always say I love connecting with my Aussie guys because to me, <laughs> you guys, you guys are some of the coolest humans in the world. You keep it so real, so raw, so rugged, and you smile ninety percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a lot to learn about bringing humor and levity into the conversation here in, in the Americas. <laughs> Thanks, dear. I really appreciate you having me on. It was really fun. Likewise, man. Well, uh, keep us posted on your journey. We'll have to get you back on here sometime in the future. Can't wait. Thanks, buddy. You got it. All right. What a great episode. I love talking to my guys from down under. It's always such a exciting and exhilarating conversation for me. My man Tyson is so genuine, so authentic, and so true to his mission and his message. He really is an ordinary, easy to talk to guy who cares deeply about health and fitness and the, getting the most out of our bodies that we can. And one of the things that I loved was our conversation about having a strong, physical, healthy body that can carry you towards your vision in your life because there's never been anything more true and I can speak from my own personal experience having dealt with severe chronic pain for over a year when I had my back injury a little over a year ago I I know what happens when our bodies just aren't physically capable when we don't feel physically capable in our bodies we don't feel spiritually mentally emotionally energetically capable of the big visions that we have for ourselves so Building a body that can carry us towards our vision and towards our commitment is one of the most critical elements to getting what we want out of this life. So think about that for yourself. Do you have a body? Do you feel alive, energized, healthy, fit physically first? And if not, how is that impacting you getting what you want out of your life? Just sit with that. Just be with that. Let us know if something lands from just that message or anything else you heard here in this episode. If this episode and the messages in this episode and this podcast resonate with you, I strongly encourage you guys to apply for both Elements and Compass. If you're looking to create the life that you've always wanted, break through your BS stories and find out what you're truly made of, apply today, claim your spot. Seats are already starting to fill up. So hit up the links in the show notes. Join the Rising Man Facebook community over at facebook.com slash groups slash the rising man. We're over 800 strong now. So let's keep the movement moving. Make sure you check out the show notes for links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com and subscribe or follow the podcast on the podcast app of your choice. Leave a review or comment with your biggest takeaways, insights, and reflections from each episode, either on the app that you use or at therisingmanpodcast.com. Check us out on Instagram, Rising Man Podcast, and Jetty Azuma. Shout out to Sean Offenbach over at Infinite Melodics. That's at Infinite, M-E-L-O-D-I-X. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you for everything that you do and for making this podcast, these episodes, these interviews, everything that they can be by polishing the audio and making it sound super crisp every single time, Sean. Thank you, my brother. And anybody who has any audio engineering podcast production needs, please hit up Sean Offenbach at Infinite Melodics. Until next time, folks, rise up and claim your destiny.